A powerful prayer life can be the wind power that moves you forward. Here is the final message in the series, Tides, Winds, and Currents. This message is entitled, Develop Your Wind Power, Part Two. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, tonight we wrap up a series we've been involved in. This is our fifth week in the series entitled, Tides, Winds, and Currents. And uh, I told you last weekend that the final message of the series actually is a two-part, was a two-part message. And I did part one last weekend. I want to wrap up with part number two of developing your wind power. So our focus again this weekend is on this one particular word right in the middle of our title here, Tides, Winds, and Currents. And so our focus is on developing your wind power. In this series, we've been really looking at the book of Daniel and taking a look at Daniel's life. If you've not yet uh, taken some time to read through some uh, parts, at least, of the book of Daniel, I would really encourage you to do that. It's going to be a blessing and a, and a help to you. And we've been looking at how Daniel and his friends expe experienced and processed the tides of life because tides are the ebb and flow of life. Things come and go and things happen in your life that put pressure upon you and relieve pressure from you. We talked about currents of life pushing against us. And as I said, we started last weekend talking about the winds. And we talked specifically, as I'll mention in a moment, about some things that we see from Daniel's life related to the wind power, the spiritual power that he has or had. When you think about wind and you think about water, you understand if you've ever been on the water, if you've ever navigated in a boat or in a boat uh, with someone who is navigating, that the wind is a very important factor. Every good uh, captain of a boat will understand that I need to check the wind before I go out. I need to know what the wind is going to do. There are many very sophisticated apps that you can get nowadays that tell you a little bit about uh, wind power, actually a lot about wind and what it does to you and what direction it's coming from and the impact, the, the gust, those kind of things that matter to a mariner. And it's true in life that wind power is in your life as well in the form of another word that I want to use here because it's very much connected in the Bible with the word wind, and that's the word spirit. Because actually, the Hebrew word for wind is the same word that is translated spirit. Ruach is the Hebrew word, as you see in the Old Testament. And the Greek word used in the New Testament for spirit is the, word, uh, is the word pneuma, and that also means wind. It can be translated breath or wind. And so when the Bible speaks of, if you will, our wind power, it's talking about the spiritual power in our lives. And I think that all of us would say that we want and desire more spiritual power. Can you say amen then? I certainly do. And your spirit power really is, or your spiritual power really is the, the spirit that you might say that controls or directs or dictates or guides or characterizes your life. Everybody has a spirit about them. You carry a spirit about you. And your spirit can either lift you or limit you. I've seen many people in life who perhaps were not necessarily all that gifted or had a, all that knowledge, even sometimes not even a lot of education, but they had the right spirit. And so because they had the right spirit, it lifted their life. They did incredible things with their life, even though people would have looked at them naturally and said that they were, they were maybe limited. Nevertheless, they had a spirit about them that brought them success, that advanced their life in a positive way. And I've also 
also seen people who are very, very gifted, quite capable when it comes to uh, education or giftings and those kinds of things, but because they had the wrong spirit about them, it limited them. And so your spirit is very, very important. And one of the most remarkable things that you see about Daniel, we began to talk about this together last week, is the fact that he had this, this incredible spirit about him. And because he had this incredible spirit, even as a young man, as he's transported and exiled from Jerusalem into Babylon, his spirit is very, very evident, and God, and, and God greatly used him, and God grew him in incredible ways because he had the right spirit. We talked last weekend about this. Let me take you back to an example of this that we saw in Scripture in Daniel chapter 6 that describes his spirit. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Darius was now, and by this time, uh, uh, Babylon had captured Jerusalem or Israel, Judah, and then Babylon had been destroyed by the Medes and the Persians, and Darius is a Persian king. So now Daniel is serving this Persian king. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one. And so as this, this king of the Medes and the Persians comes in, his name is Darius, he says, I need to divide up my kingdom. I'm going to divide it in 120 sections and then I'm going to find me three guys that will be over these 120 segments or governmental rulerships, if you will, and one of those was Daniel, three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then Daniel, this Daniel, distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because, and, say it with me, and, what did he have? An excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So you've got to understand, here's this, originally this very young Jewish man that is brought into the Babylonian kingdom. He lives through serving various Babylonian kings, and then the Medes and the Persians take over, and now he's in the administration of the Persians at this point in time, and he's appointed as one of the top three officials, and then he does so well that the king says, he's the guy that I need to place over everybody and give administration and responsibility to. And the Bible describes why uh, Darius chose him. It was because he had an excellent spirit. This is something that promoted Daniel. It moved him forward in his life. And so what is highlighted about Daniel, not just here, but all throughout his life, is his spirit. It made him the go-to guy. Anytime there's a problem, a situation that needed to be solved, a dream that needed to be interpreted, uh, handwriting on the wall that someone had need, needed to give an understanding of, who did they call? They called Daniel. He was a leader because he had the right spirit. Again, I want to emphasize that your spirit lifts you or your spirit limits you. Now, we talked last weekend about the fact or the reason why Daniel had this excellent spirit. He had the excellent spirit because he was filled with God's spirit. And the same is true for you and me. If we want to have an excellent spirit, we need the spirit of God to fill us. It's not our own spirit that moves us forward, but the spirit of God. And we talked about the importance of asking God to fill us and staying filled with the power of his spirit. You've got to determine to grow. You've got to refuse to be ordinary. And all those things were certainly evident in Daniel's life. 
But there's something else that I want to draw our attention to this weekend. It's just one element of Daniel's life that really made him excellent in spirit. I want to talk to you about the spirit of prayer that was in Daniel. He was a man of prayer. And the reason that he had an excellent spirit is he knew how to go to God in prayer. Let's continue on the story here in the same chapter, chapter 6. We'll pick up now with verse number 6. So you remember the first three verses? It's got him set up as the king's looking at him to set him over all the other satraps because he has an excellent spirit. Now notice what happens here. We're going to read a number of verses, so stay with me. I promise you we'll get to the points in just a moment, but these verses are extremely important to get the whole story. At this, that is when the king was deciding to make Daniel in charge of everyone, at this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, okay? And so now they're jealous of him. So they want to find something to put him down because the king is wanting to raise him up. But they were unable to do so. They could, not, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. There's a lot right there that we could talk about. He, wasn't, he was trustworthy and he was not corrupt, nor was he negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with what? The law of his God. So they said, hey, we, we can't find anything wrong with him. The only thing we can do is maybe find some technical aspect of how he worships compared to how we worship our gods, and so we're going to focus on that. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god, here's their strategy. Everybody got it so far? They're going to get Daniel. They think they're going to get him this way. That the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, here's a key, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Now, do you see what happened here? They're saying, hey, king, put the edict in place that nobody prays to you for the next 30 days. And if they don't obey this, then they'll be thrown into the lion's den. The only reason they did this was, was, was for the purpose of trapping Daniel. So they knew this will get Daniel because Daniel will not obey this edict because Daniel will only pray to the one true God. Now let's see what happens after this. We're continuing with the story. I want you to get all of this together at the beginning of tonight's message. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. So they brought it back to the king. He says, got to do this. 
It's written in the law. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me. Because I was found innocent. Yeah, isn't that great? I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifting, lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. The very men that thought we'll get Daniel, ended up being the victims of the plan they had against him. It's incredible to think about. What an amazing passage of Scripture. So what do we learn from this? We learn that Daniel's life was powered by prayer. I'm going to show you this in the next few moments. We'll go back to some of these verses that we just read and highlight this lesson. Prayer was the wind power that moved Daniel forward. Daniel, when it says he had an excellent spirit, part of his excellent spirit was that he had the spirit of prayer in his life. And if you and I are going to have the wind power that we need in life to sail through life, to make it against the tides and the currents that come our way, we too have to become, every one of us, we have to become people of prayer. So I'm going to give you three extremely simple points tonight. Extremely simple. But just because something is simple doesn't mean it's not important, correct? Sometimes the most important things in life are extremely simple. Don't run out into the street when there's traffic coming both ways. Pretty simple, right? But you know it's pretty important, correct? It's not like a complex thing. And so many times we try to make spiritual things overly complex. They're not that complex. Sometimes they're simple things that we just simply need to learn and do and practice and understand. So three simple things done. Are you ready for these three? Here we go. They're right in the Bible. They point us to how to become a person of prayer and have wind power. Number one, you've got to see prayer. What's the first word here? See. You've got to see prayer as a privilege, not as an obligation. This is what will help you tremendously. Now, the word see here speaks of perspective. Lord willing, when we start our next series together next week, I'm going to talk uh, over that series about perspective. Perspective is how you view something. It's how you see something. It's the lens through which you view whatever you view in life. And perspective makes a big difference. 
There's a large difference in how people approach something depending upon their perspective, okay? Your perspective changes not only your thoughts, but your emotions. If your perspective, if the way you view or think about prayer is that it's an obligation that Christians must or I ought to be doing. There's a key phrase there, I ought to be doing this. Well, yes, you ought, but that's, I want to get beyond that. It, what it does is it relegates prayer to a duty. It makes it something else like that you have to put on your to-do list. Wash the dishes clean the house, take care of the clothes, pray. And so you list, you have a duty list of things, and you know, if you don't do it, what do you feel? If you don't get those things checked off your list, what do you feel? You feel frustrated. Sometimes you might feel guilty. You feel all kind of different feelings because you didn't do the things that you felt like you were supposed to be doing. And so duties may get done, but generally they're not done joyfully. They get done, but not done joyfully. And so if, you approach, if you're approaching prayer with a perspective that it's an obligation or a duty, you're going to complete, completely miss the heart of what prayer is all about. Prayer is not an obligation or a duty. Prayer is a privilege. Oh, my goodness, should we not see this? Prayer is a privilege. Why? Because what is prayer? Think about it with me for a moment. What is prayer? Prayer is an audience with God. Think about that for a moment. Prayer is the opportunity to talk to the creator of the universe. And Jesus, as we're going to see, made the way for that to happen in our lives. And so it should be viewed not as something that I have to do and get on my list. I'm going to feel guilty if I don't. No, prayer is a privilege. Let's walk through some verses together here. Take a look with me at these verses. I like to underscore these. Here's Jeremiah 33, 3. Here's, the, here's prayer. Call to me. That's prayer. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Does that sound like a privilege? Does it? God says, call to me and I will answer you. And, and by the way, I'm going to tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. Anybody need to know some unsearchable things, right? That's, pri that's privilege, okay? Take a look at this next one, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. So let us come after he's talked about Jesus being our high priest. And by the way, the way you get to a relationship with God in prayer is through Jesus. You don't get there any other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. When we pray, the reason we pray in Jesus' name is not just a nice little tag that we put at the end of our prayer. It's a way that we remind ourselves that the only way I get to God is because Jesus made the way for me to get there. I'm not holy enough to talk to God. How about you? I'm not good enough to talk to God. I have a lot of stuff in my life, as do you, that should keep me away from the presence of God and should, not, should never give me an audience with God. I have disqualified myself, as have you, as has, has everyone of the human race, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us, by right, can come into the presence of God, but Jesus made the way. So because he made the way, so let us come boldly. Another word that's used there, actually the Greek word, is confidently to the throne of our gracious God. And notice the privilege. There we will receive his 
mercy and find grace to help us when we need it. Anybody's saying that's a privilege, right? Tremendous privilege. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Simple things, not complex, but it doesn't have to be complex to be helpful to your life. As we are sure of this, John writes, that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. And if we really know he is listening when we talk to him and make our request, then we can be sure that he will answer us. Notice this. If we, we can know that he will listen to us whenever we ask, of course, in line with his will. You don't ask for things that are contrary to his nature, his, his revealed nature in, in Scripture and character. And, and if we know that he's listening when we talk to him and make our request, then we know that he's going to answer us. What I want to underscore again for you tonight, this weekend, is prayer is not an obligation. It is not a duty that you perform. It's not a Christian duty. It is a believer's privilege to talk to their God. Daniel lived by prayer. Daniel lived on prayer. It wasn't an obligation to him. It wasn't a duty. It was his privilege. The second simple truth, really simple, number two, make prayer a consistent habit. Once you realize that prayer is a privilege, then you want to work it into your life habitually, okay? What you want to do in life, what we all want to do in life is build healthy habits, right? You don't need to raise your hand on this, but how many you're trying to eat healthier? Hopefully you, you think about that from time to time as you're invading the refrigerator and having a half gallon of ice cream. You think about, I should do better than this, right? I need some better habits, okay? Well, when you think of prayer as the privilege, and you also realize, I'm like, I need to make sure that this is a part of my life. And the problem with many people is the fact that they only pray when there's a problem. That's generally the problem, okay? That something comes up, and oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I guess I need to pray, okay? Daniel, when you study his life, didn't pray only in times of difficulty or times of trouble. He lived a life of prayer. He was a praying man. Let's go back to verse number 10 of chapter 6 and notice what happens here. Now, when Daniel learned that the, the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Remember, the decree was everybody's got to pray to the king, okay? Uh, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Notice this. What does it say? Just as he had done before. It wasn't like all of a sudden, well, I better start praying now. I got some lions about to get me. Okay. I better start praying now because I'm going to get thrown to the lion's den. I haven't talked to God in a while. Might be a good idea to have a conversation with him. No, that was not it at all. In fact, the crisis of the lion's den didn't force Daniel to pray. He already was a praying man. He was already praying. Prayer was the habit in Daniel's life. How wonderful it is whenever you and I have gotten to that place in life 
where we're not just praying to deal with an immediate crisis, but there's a regular pattern of prayer in our life. Do you know why Daniel had so much favor and so much success in his life, so many opportunities and so many miracles? It was because he was always praying. It was the habit of his life. And you study especially the first six chapters of Daniel. As I mentioned before, he's always the go-to guy. Why is he the go-to guy? Because he was already always prayed up. He was always, always ready. He was always prayed up. There was never a time that Daniel was having like a little deficit in his prayer life. He was ready to go. Whether it was good times or not so good times, he was ready to respond because he was always prayed up. He was a praying man. This was his wind power, his wind power. Notice what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6 because Jesus not only talked a lot about prayer, but he practices it, practiced it as, as we'll see in a moment as well. Here's part of his teaching on prayer. But when you, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So much there. There's one word I want you to see here. Okay, one word. That's that word right there. But what's that word? When. It did not say but. If you pray, it said, when you pray. So what was the expectation of Jesus for his followers? Expectation wasn't that prayer was to be some unusual thing that we only do when times are difficult. No, Jesus was saying, this needs to be the pattern of your life. Jesus practiced this himself. Look at this verse. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where, what did he do? Now, I want you to think with me for a moment. Who was Jesus? The Son of God. God incarnate. And here he is realizing, in fact, you studied the life of Jesus, he said, you know, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I, I'm in complete submission to the Father. Whatever the Father says, I do. And I only say what the Father says. And the reason was because he had fellowship. He, he took the initiative to have fellowship with the Father. He made sure that that was a part of his ongoing interaction. Even as Messiah, he, that was a part, an ongoing part of his life. Paul reminded us of this as well. Look at what Paul says. Three words. What are they? Never. Anybody looked up that word recently? I think it means not ever, as far as I know. Don't ever stop. Don't let it become something that becomes absent from your life. Never stop praying. Another translation says, pray without ceasing. Think with me for a moment as I think as well. What, what wind power could be added to the sails of your life? What wind power could be added to the sales of your family, of your business, of your education, whatever ministry you might be involved in, if your prayer life became more continual and more consistent? Think about the wind power that could be added to your life, to your family, to your business, to whatever it is that you're engaged in. If you had this consistent, continual attitude and lifestyle of prayer, realizing it's not an obligation, what is it? It is a privilege. Now, what I want to do for you, I think this is going to be on the screen. I hope it's going to be here for us, is I want to encourage you to make a commitment. 
And a commitment is, I'm going to do this, okay? And one of the things that I would say about commitments before you read this, or before I read it to you, is that a commitment, sometimes people get a little nervous about commitments because what if I fail? Well, the, the good thing about a commitment is if you, if, you, if, you, if you mess up, you just get back on track again. That's the key, okay? And so, uh, but commitment sets the intention of your life in a direction. Guess what, what, a, what, what a commitment does. And I want to encourage all of you to make a commitment. This is, I believe, going to be on your notes. I'm not sure where they're going to find this at. It might be on our website as well. I'm not sure where, where it's going to be downloadable for you, but you're, uh, you're going to download that. There you go. It's uh, church-redeemer.org slash commit, and you can actually download a PDF if you want a hard copy of this. But here's the commitment. Today, read it with me. Today, I commit to develop the spirit of prayer in my life just like Daniel did. I will think of prayer as my privilege, not an obligation. I will make prayer a habit in my life. And number three, I will expect God to respond. And then sign your name to that. You say, well, that's, that's like a silly childish thing to do. No, it's not. Sometimes the best things you can do in life is to put something in front of you that says, I'm making that commitment. Daniel was consistent in his prayer. It was a habit pattern of his life because it wasn't a duty. It was a privilege. That goes to the third point here. And actually, you've already seen the third point. But let me give it to you in these forms. Expect God to respond when you pray. Listen closely because there's a lot of confusion about prayer in our world today. Prayer is not a psychological exercise. There are a lot of psychological benefits when you pray. Do you understand what I mean by a psychological exercise? Well, I'm just going to do something. Another word that's often used in today's world is, is mindfulness or meditation. Those are words that are used. Prayer is not mindfulness. Prayer is not meditation. Prayer is not about your psychology. It will help your psychology. I promise you, you'll be psychologically more healthy if you pray. But it's not a psychological exercise. It is not a mindfulness exercise. You know, if you've done any reading, that's a very popular word in our culture today, especially in business and, 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 and health-related articles and so forth. Well, you need to practice mindfulness. Well, yeah, let's practice the mind of Christ. How about that, okay? Let's practice getting the presence of Christ. Let's practice working on that, okay? So, and that's something you, you learn, but it's not about that. And hopefully, we become more mindful when you pray. I know that I do, but it's not just an exercise. It's good for your mind. It's good for your psyche, but it's not a mental exercise. It's not a, it's not a psychological exercise. It is a spiritual practice because prayer, let me say it again, prayer is connection and interaction with the living God, not with you inside of you. But prayer is a connection with the living God. Prayer is a connection with a God who does something, a God who responds when you pray. Now, I tell you, you know, I, 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 you know if I sit and try to figure out things for myself many times, I create more problems than, than I solve. How about you, okay? You ever gotten stuck in your own head? Sometimes that's what mindfulness and those kind of things can do for you. I'm not against 
certainly certain things that are healthy in, in the ways that you use your thinking, and we'll talk more about that in the next series, but you've just got to understand what prayer is and what, is, what prayer isn't. Prayer is connection, interaction with the true and living God that results in, here's a key phrase, that results in, I'm going to take the time to write this, heavenly resources being released. Not human resources. Although God touches you and touches people as you pray, but when you pray, it is a release of heavenly resources. When you pray, God responds with things like divine intervention. That can include things like healing and deliverance and breakthroughs happening in your life. It's not what you did. It's God coming into that situation. It can result in a response from God where there's a divine empowerment to your life or divine peace coming to your life or divine answers or guidance or divine advancement or divine God's divine will and guidance being revealed for you. But you have to understand that it is God when you pray the right way, the Jesus way in relationship with Christ, and you pray in his name that is in his authority, God responds with the release of heavenly resources. Look again at Daniel. I just, I'm taking you right back to where we were a few moments ago. Remember, this is all simple tonight, okay? So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. So there he is. Then the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Even the king was concerned because he loved Daniel. Daniel was a good guy. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lion's? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. Now, by the way, that tells you a lot about Daniel right there, doesn't it? I'm not sure I would have said, may the king who threw me into this lion's den live forever. I might have said, may the king, may you die, fall in here right now. I'm getting out, you get in, okay? That's the spirit that, are you, are you seeing the spirit of this guy? This guy's incredible, okay? Can you see how his, there's a wind power to his life because he had this kind of spirit? May the king live forever. you got to be kidding me. This is the guy that threw you in the pit. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. What an amazing thing. What I want you to see is that Daniel's prayer life it wasn't just that he prayed in a crisis, right? He prayed as usual, as he normally did. But his prayer life resulted in incredible deliverance for him, as, as can happen for us. Look at this verse from Jesus. Jesus gives us what's called the Lord's Prayer. And if you know the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then you see these words. We ask that your kingdom will come now. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to see what I mentioned a moment ago. When you pray, it's in the midst of the Lord's Prayer. His kingdom, that is his rule, his authority, 
his resources. Jesus said, when you pray, you're asking that his kingdom, God's kingdom, will what? Come where? Where? Come now, but come now where? Are you with me? So when you pray, Jesus is talking about the Lord's Prayer. This is how you're to pray. And that he's saying, this is what happens when you pray. Look at it closely. You're asking, what are you asking? That God's kingdom, his rule, his authority, his resources, his intervention, etc., 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 would come where? Now where? Here may your will be done. Where? Here on earth just like it is in heaven. What I want all of us to see, and may God help us, help me, help all of us to understand that when you pray, you're actually bringing heaven to earth, okay? Prayer is not a useless exercise. Prayer is not just something you do because it's a religious duty or an obligation. No, when you pray, you're bringing heaven into your life. When you pray, you're bringing heaven into your family. When you pray, you're bringing heaven into your business. When you pray, you're bringing heaven into your neighborhood. Prayer is not useless. It is not empty. It invites God into specific areas of our life. And the consistent practice of prayer produces confidence in prayer because you begin to see that God answers, that God responds. Now, God responds in different ways. That's another message. God responds in different timing. God responds in ways sometimes that we didn't anticipate that he was going to respond, but God always responds to us when we pray. When people say, I don't have time to pray, I'm busy. When people say, I don't have time to pray, I just want to help you rethink that. Instead of saying, you don't have time to pray, here's the reality. You don't have time not to pray. Amen. Nor do I. It's not, do I have time to pray? I don't have time not to pray. Because I, I can't remember who it was. I read, a, read, read this quote many years ago. It was one of the old saints that made the statement. I'll look it up for tomorrow before I uh, didn't think about it as I was preparing for this evening. But the statement, I think it was Martin Luther that said this, if I remember correctly. He said, I have so much to do that I must pray four hours before I get started. <laughs> think about that. I have so much to do that I must pray for. It was either three or four hours. I'll look up the quote and, and confirm it by tomorrow. But I'll, I have so much to do. Now, what would we say? I have so much to do. I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to get to prayer today. But Martin Luther understood the fruitfulness of prayer to such a degree that he says, I've got so much to do that I'll never get it done unless I spend three or four hours in prayer. Because when you, see what we're talking about, wind power, Right? It gets your sails moving in the right direction. The wind and Daniel's sail was, yes, it was he had an extraordinary spirit. Yes, it was the fact that all those things we talked about last week, he was filled with the Spirit of God, absolutely. He was a growing man, but I didn't want you to miss the fact that the wind in Daniel's sail was the fact that he was a praying man. He captured the wind power of prayer. I hope that you will do the same. Let me conclude with this tonight. 
Paul's words to us. Don't worry about anything. Instead, instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. Don't forget to thank him. If you do this, here's the end result. If you do this, if you do what? Pray about everything. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. What's the wind power of your life? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege of prayer. Lord, we cannot describe or express our gratitude enough for the opportunity that you give us just to come into your presence. It's a privilege. Lord, I think about all the times in my own life and times of challenge or difficult or decisions, whatever it might have been, just to have the, the, the knowledge that I could get down on my knees and I could talk to you or I can walk through my day or drive in my car and I can have a conversation with you. It's incredible to, to, to consider. Thank you, Jesus, for making that way that through your blood you've opened up this wonderful pathway that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we'll begin to change our perspective, Lord, that prayer would not be a duty that we must do, but it would be a privilege that we engage in. Help us to form it as a habit in our life, Lord, to pray without ceasing to never stop praying. And Lord, help us to realize that as we pray that you're going to answer, that you bring heaven to earth. We can't always see it or understand it exactly in our own life, in our own world. But Lord, we know that you do respond. You promise to respond to the prayers of your people. So I pray that this will be a new day as we make a commitment that we're going to see heaven come to earth in some incredible ways and wonderful testimonies. For that, we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation 
old things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.